At first, it was just one sheep per day. But as the deadly dragon grew more powerful, he demanded more and more. Soon it was the people of Silene themselves, so intense was his insatiable hunger, his desperate desire for more and more. Until, until one day a courageous knight named George agrees to confront the dragon. After a long and bloody battle, George finally defeats the cruel beast, saves the princess, and rescues the town. With what weapon did George slay the dragon? A spear? A lance? A sword? Maybe, just maybe, the dragon was slain by love. Welcome to Slain by Love, your weekly sermon podcast from the pulpit of St. George's Episcopal Church in Austin, Texas. In the name of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, hi, everyone. Um, I'm, I'm willing to go with God's plan this morning. Uh, I had text from my homily, and it's on its way here. Thank you. I can't improv, but you might find it a little more substantial if I refer to some of my text. I'm very grateful to... Um, Matt, Father Matt, for inviting me to um, serve here this morning and worship with you all. Um, my husband, Nathan, teaches at the Seminary of the Southwest, and he and Matt go back to undergraduate days, and so I got to know Matt through marriage. Um, that sounds funny. But you know what I mean. <laughs> there is a difference between intelligence and wisdom. There is a difference between intelligence and wisdom. If you play Dungeons and Dragons, you'll know that. But if you don't, it's still okay. I'll give you an example. A young man with Down syndrome was upset by his poor memory and orientation skills. He loved to take walks and bus rides, but used to get lost a lot. To make it worse, if his social worker decided he got lost too often, he could lose his autonomy which he valued so much. So the young man, over many months, knew what he had to do. He trained his memory by studying a map of the city. He said that he studied so hard he would cry when he would forget the street names, but he kept working at it. And now, after all these months, if he takes a wrong turn, he, which he still does, he doesn't have to worry too much because he's always sure to find a street that he knows that he, will, he knows he knows in a short time. This is someone who sought wisdom. The world might have judged him low in intelligence, but this young man was very high, is very high in wisdom. He sought it with all his strength to know his environment and how to function in it. That kind of speaks to our Christian life right there, doesn't it? 
to know our environment and know how to function in it with love. The scriptures point us to wisdom today in a very interesting way. It makes our ears perk up. Listen to this part of our first reading today. Wisdom is, and Raul, you read it so beautifully. Thank you. Wisdom is radiant and unfading, and she is easily discerned, easily discerned by those who love her and is found by those who seek her. She hastens to make herself known to those who desire her, and she graciously appears to them in their paths and meets them in every thought. Did you ever think of wisdom as a person? Notice how in our readings today, wisdom is even referred to as she. Wisdom, she, is found also more familiarly in the book of Proverbs in the Old Testament. In the fourth century, Emperor Constantine dedicated a now famous church to Christ as the personification of divine wisdom, thus calling it Hagia Sophia, holy wisdom, in today's Istanbul. And as you may guess, there was controversy around the interpretation of wisdom from very early on in Christianity. Some said she was akin to the Holy Spirit, but not exactly the same thing. Some said she was an energy of God, like faith, hope, and love, wisdom being the mother virtue. So here in the wisdom of Solomon, she, wisdom, is calling the reader to be made known to them. This book was written at a time roughly between the two testaments of our Bible, the old and new, when Greek culture was dominant in that part of the world. So for the Jewish people reading this book around that time, maybe 200 BC to 200 AD, the wisdom of Solomon was an encouragement to stay faithful to their God, to the Lord, when all around them, Greek influence was pressing them to give up their religion and join in with whatever was new and trendy. And one strong message that comes out of the wisdom of Solomon is to love the gift of wisdom that God gives his people. Get to know wisdom, and you get to know the God who loves you. Getting to know wisdom is growing in love with God's Torah, God's instruction, just like the young man I began with who strove to learn how to get around in his city. The people of God were called to learn how to navigate in a confusing world. Through Christ, we are the people of God too. And our world is certainly a confusing one. I wonder if and how you feel lost today. I wonder if you, if I, could benefit from seeking God's wisdom today. Notice that the last line of that second portion of the wisdom of Solomon we read today, the desire for wisdom leads to a kingdom. The gospel passage today begins with Jesus saying to his disciples, the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God is like, or in this case, will be like. Jesus gives us lots of parables beginning that way. This one is a little different in that he has the future tense. The kingdom of God will be, will be like this. And that's a good connecting point for us from 
the Old Testament to the New Testament here today. Quite often when Jesus taught about the great mystery that is God, oh, excuse me, today as we get close to the season of Advent, just a couple weeks I think from now, we are already pointing to the future. And remember, in the season of Advent, we're looking back and preparing for the mystery that was the incarnation, but we're also looking forward to a time when God's arrival is imminent. So in Jesus' time, to set the, the scene, set the context for his parable, in Jesus' time, the role the bridesmaid was to wait for the bridegroom and escort him to the wedding feast. Since it might be dark when the groom arrived, the bridesmaids would need a lamp and oil, both while waiting for the bridegroom, as well as during the procession to light the way for everybody, including themselves. So how does the parable go exactly? Jesus tells us that the kingdom of heaven will be like 10 bridesmaids who all bring their lamps, but half of them haven't thought it all the way through quite. Lamps take oil. The longer you burn them, the more oil you need. As it happens, the bridegroom is delayed. The bridesmaids get tired and drift into sleep. You can imagine their lamps all burning still into the night. But suddenly around midnight, here comes the groom. The girls all get their lamps ready. They're well and awake now. But the foolish half suddenly realize something they should have thought of well beforehand. They may run out of oil. They didn't bring any extra. Give us some of yours, they ask the five wise gals. But the wise gals say, no, there won't be enough for you and for us. They're wise. We might all run out. We give you some of ours. And while they go off to find some oil, the bridegroom comes, and those who are ready go with him into the wedding banquet, and the door is shut. And later, those not-so-wise gals show up at the door, and we get some hard words. This mysterious bridegroom says, truly, I don't know you. Jesus finishes the parable by saying, keep awake, therefore, for you know neither the hour or the day. Keep awake. It's a tough parable to hear. I've shared this with young people, 9, 10, 11, 12 years old. That's a great age to give them a challenging parable like this because they have some some good observations. I wonder, though, for you, what catches your attention the most in this parable, what just sticks with you, for good or for bad. If this parable is about God's kingdom to come, then who is the bridegroom really? Advent, the word meaning arrival, is that time where we meditate on the end of time, God's arrival at the end of all things. I wonder what the oil in the parable then might represent, something we need as we wait. I wonder if you'd heard the song, Keep Your Lamps Trimmed and Burning. Keep your lamps trimmed and burning. Comes straight out of this parable, for the time is drawing nigh. So what's the song encouraging us to do? Be wise. Have oil with us. Seek it out. Is oil and wisdom 
interchangeable. Children will often point out the light of Christ, quite simply, the oil, the lamp, being the light of Christ. We often come back to focusing on the font, the baptism font, baptism, touching again that, that event in our lives, considering how meaningful, what that means for us. So maybe that's something you can meditate on this week. How do we each carry a light? How does it need refueling? What is the fuel we seek? What is the fuel we need? Just to carry us through today, let alone until the arrival of God at the end of all things. So, friends, may we today and into the season of Advent seek wisdom. Wisdom that will help to keep our lamps bright. Wisdom from God, his word, his holy sacrament, sacrament, font, table, places to receive fuel, fuel up. That's once. That's as much as we can get it, right? Wisdom from God, his presence in our prayers, our contemplation, our awareness of his forgiveness. That's refueling, isn't it? Our awareness of his unconditional love for us. That's refueling. A practice of our unconditional love towards others, reaching out our hands. That is refueling. Our hands of love. So that we might discover, after all that contemplation, this coming season of Advent, and even today, may we discover the joy of being part of the wedding banquet at the arrival of God. Amen. Thanks for joining us at the pulpit of St. George's Austin, where the love of God in Christ slays our enemies, our fears, our guilt, our worries. How are they slain? Only by love. Special thanks to the good folks of St. George's and especially to that masterful media guru, Liam Dolan Henderson. See you next week. Peace and be well.